Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome. This is episode 123 of We Are Going Up. I'm Mark Rossi. Thank you very much for downloading. Cheers for uh, the response to our Big Forest special last week. Glad you enjoyed. In fact, one man I'm sure enjoyed. It's enjoying seeing Forest struggling at the moment. Uh, is back in the studio, Jim Knight. Hi, Mark. Hello. Now tell everyone where you were on Saturday, mate. I was at Turf Moor. Watching my beloved Leicester City. Did you have a decent, stri- a decent, decent view of that, Chris Wood? Yeah, I was right behind it. So I was kind of directly behind the trajectory of the ball. So as it kind of flew in across the a goal, we were behind that corner of the net. So yeah, we knew it was in as soon as he'd hit it. Really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was that kind of thing where when you are in the ground, you see it and you think that's well, that's going in because you you get the benefit of the angle. <laughs> Sorry, I had you faded down there. Uh, David Cameron Walker <laughs> is here as well. Uh, did Hello. you have a good, did you have a good weekend, mate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, lots of stories from our weekend in Nottingham. We mentioned we we're going to Nottingham last week that we just cannot possibly tell. Absolutely, because none of them fit for broadcast. Because <laughs> our lawyers would be onto us if we could afford any. Uh, but a story we can tell is from our trip down to Millwall last Thursday. Oh, yeah. uh, it was part of a special night all in aid of Prostate Cancer UK, the Football League's official charity partner. Um, myself and DC went along and we had a lovely time. We did. We met Zampa the Lion. seven bowls of sausage and mash. He did. <laughs> Excessive. <laughs> um, we met Zampa the Lion. The Excellent mil- man. Probably, you know, well, not a man. Well, lion. say that. Well, yeah, don't ruin the illusion. And uh, I also demolished you at table football. You did. A thrashing. Absolutely thrashing. destroyed you. <laughs> Narrowly avoided having to, what was the forfeit? The prostate cancer woman said, if you, if you lose... Is like, it like a fee for apology? 10-0, ten, ten you've got to uh, run around the table with your trousers down. <laughs> Sorry, like that, yeah. um, and Ian Holloway was there. I got he, one goal. So he, was, <laughs> <laughs> he was close. <laughs> Ian Holloway um, made people cry with his speech. He that did. He did. Oh. He did. Very, uh, very emotional. And on Wednesday this week, on the hallowed turf of the New Den, uh, we have a big game going on, which is uh, Prostate Cancer UK versus an MPs 11. Dermot Gallagher is refing. And David Cameron Walker is playing against mm. the MPs. David Cameron Walker against <laughs> the MPs. And who's your partner in central defence going to be? Well, I don't know for sure, but I, I'm scanning my eyes. There are 25 people in our squad. Yeah, for, for high rotation. Game, yeah. So it's going to be roll on, roll off. Um, but uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if big Tommy Walsh from Ground Force, who's on the list, isn't alongside me in central defence. Tommy... He can be the vidditch. I'll just sweep up around the back. he just get his head on everything. It'll be fine. Where Tom... was Tommy Walsh when we were playing? I wonder if he wearing steel toe-cap boots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, hopefully we'll have highlights from this on the show next week. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, we'll tell you more about that. It will tell you what, though, just on a very quick one, just on, on. on that evening, obviously, Prostate Cancer were there and they were reminding everyone about the work, the great work they've done with the Men United campaign. And I think it's easy for us, you know, we get the, the you know, we've had the guys on the pod, Luther Blissett, Don Goodman, and you think, oh, great, we'll speak to them. Oh, what's it for, Prostate Cancer? Oh, yeah, brilliant. Whatever. And you kind of hear these charity things and you do them and you some of them, Sometimes they kind of just go by the wayside. You get fatigued by the amount of charities there are out there. And it's easy to forget. And it really hit home hearing um, you know, Ian, Ian Holloway speak, hearing the chief executive of prostate cancer and, and uh, the guy who was the Millwall fan who was there as a Millwall fan who's had prostate cancer and he's been a Millwall fan for 50 years. And he was talking about his experience. And you just forget how important it is you know, just to keep on top of it, to make sure you, you know, you're getting yourself checked out, and to to be involved with these campaigns because w- what they said wasn't it really hit home for me when we were standing by the side of the pitch last Thursday, looking around an empty den, and they said of all the people that will be affected by prostate cancer, the men in, in this country this year could fill this ground eleven times over, mm. and you just think, wow, wow, I mean, yeah. it's, it's incredible. It's so it affects a hell of a lot of people out there, and they're doing great work. So it's important to you know to support that. Go course. sign up for uh, yeah. for Man United. Absolutely. Uh, coming up later on the show this week, we'll be uh, looking at the current state of play, where we are with uh, six seven games to go. Uh, also, look back on Peterborough's win at Wembley in the JPT. Uh, John Ward stepping aside at Bristol Rovers. Uh, Russ Wilcox uh, breaking a football league. 
league record with Scunthorpe and we'll take a uh, closer look at the increasingly bleak situation at Tranmere Rovers. Uh, they drew nil-nil with Carlisle at Prenton Park on Saturday, a result that leaves both sides in deep trouble. Just uh, six points separating eight clubs in the fight to avoid relegation from League One. And how's this for a checklist? Rovers have won just four out of their last 17. They don't have a manager because Ronnie Moore is currently suspended and has just been charged by the FA um, on that betting investigation. And their chairman confirmed on Saturday that a proposed takeover has fallen through. So not a lot is going right, really, at the moment, if you're a Tranmere fan. Paul Harper is a Tranmere fan, sports writer and co-host of their Totally Tranmere podcast, uh, plus a presenter on Rover Radio. He'll come on later. But first, we're going to start in League Two, uh, where one of the weekend's most important results is definitely in South Wales at Ronnie Parade. Newport County won. Portsmouth 2, a first win in seven for Pompey and a first win for caretaker boss Andy Orford this time around uh, following the sacking of Richie Barker last week who won only four of 20 games in charge. Saturday's result, coupled with defeat for Northampton, has moved Pompey five points clear of the League 2 drop zone with just six games to go. By no means are they safe though and they've still got Northampton to play in a few weeks' time. Let's speak to a man who was there at the weekend and has been there throughout this tumultuous season. Another one for Portsmouth. It's Steve Wilson, sports journalist at the Portsmouth News and he's on the line right now Steve thank you very much for coming on the show uh, let's begin with uh, with Saturday not a perfect performance by any means and it was against nine men in the end but uh, nonetheless how big a result could that turn out to be in the context of uh, Portsmouth season uh, huge to be absolutely honest with you Mark was, uh, under Richie Barker recently it was it was hard to see where any kind of result was coming from um, he came in and shored up the defence made that his priority but it seemed to be at the expense of uh, any attacking intent, really. And it was, you know, the, the natives were getting restless. Um, it's fair to say the board pretty much listened to the uh, problems and the, the issues that a lot of the fans had. Um, they didn't they didn't take the Barker from day one, particularly. But that win at Newport, Andy Orford has come in and just, just lifted everybody. It was a it was a different feel about Pompey on on Saturday. They looked uh, they looked a lot more free. And they had the uh, the opportunity to to actually press home some of their attacking flair, which has been pretty much shackled in recent weeks. So it was a, it was a huge result, and it's just it's just created that vital gap at the bottom that everybody was panicking about. Steve, do you think this uh, positive result on Saturday was was down to the sort of uh, traditional new manager, new regime bounce, or do you think Andy Orford and the team there can sustain this and guide them to safety? Well. We've often sort of looked for that new manager bounce at Pompey. We've had enough new managers in <laughs> to be able to look for that. It, to be fair, it's, ne- it's very rarely appeared. You know, it's never it's never been a case of change the manager and then you get an instant upturn in results. So I wouldn't put it down to that. I'd put it down to the fact that Andy Orford knows the club inside out. He's the academy manager, um, or certainly was until he became caretaker boss. And he just knows what, what makes the club tick. And that was one of the difficulties with Barker. He um, he didn't perhaps get the Pompey mentality that has been borne out by Andy Orford, having having spent you know since the since the late 80s he's been associated with the club. So I think that helps. I think he knows what what makes the supporters tick. He knows how to rebuild that connection. And yeah, he he came in and, and by all accounts he just said to the players, go out and enjoy it a bit more. Go and enjoy enjoy playing football. And uh, certainly paid dividends from where I was sitting. Was there a bit of fear in some of the performances then in the last few weeks? <clears throat> Definitely. If you're asking me, you know, as an outsider, it looked like it to me. It looked like people were afraid to make a mistake. It looked like uh, midfielders were afraid to go forward in case they were caught at the back. Um, you know, I can understand it to a certain extent because there is a lot of expectation at Fratton Park. When you're playing in front of 15,000, which has pretty much been the, the minimum crowd this season, there's a lot of people wanting the team to do well. It's, it's certainly not a bear pit where where people are ready to jump on you if you make an error. But there is an expectation. And some of these players, you know, they've only known League Two and League One football. They're not used to playing in front of a crowd like that who, who, who urge you on as the, way, as the way Pompey fans do. So, yeah, I'd say there was, there was an element of fear, basically because results were bad. And Barker, just the way he set the team up, it was, it was sort of almost deemed not to lose before you think about winning. So I just think that breeds negativity as you go on. Steve, um, Andy Orford's not really had a lot of managerial experience. Obviously, we've spoken about the fact he is a Portsmouth legend. He spent a lot of time at the club, and it, it, obviously it's his second spell uh, in caretaker charge. But is the job there for the taking if he, he was to you know, take Portsmouth out of this spell and to keep them up this year? Is it, is it a job that he wants, or I, is I it something that the club are looking to give him? To be honest with you, yeah. Um, he, he was interviewed for the post when Barker took it. I think he was very keen to try and press home his own credentials for that. 
Yeah, every every manager has their first job at some point, don't they? Jose Mourinho had his first job at some point. Sir Alex Ferguson had his first job at, at some point. I'm not suggesting Andy Orford's quite in that bracket just yet, but you, you, you get my sort of point that it's all very well going for experience, but I've seen so many managers at Portsmouth. I mean, one springs to mind in Paul Hart that was that was a very experienced manager, came in at a difficult time for the club. It was almost like he didn't have the, the stomach for the fight anymore. It was kind of, you know, you get maybe you just get a little bit beaten when you've been a manager around the block for so many years. It just didn't seem to happen for him. Sometimes you need a bit of fresh blood who haven't who haven't been at the forefront of battle all that time. So, and as I say, I think Orford is going to get a little bit more leeway because he was club captain for so so many years, and because he was part of a very good side back in his uh, in his playing days. Steve, obviously. It's gone very badly this year under Guy Whittingham and then Richie Barker. There were many people at the start of the season, you know, somewhat misguidedly, even we, we sort of said at the time, touting Portsmouth as, as favourites. But if you look at the players that have gone in and out, close to 30 players in, even more than that have, have gone out of, of, uh, of Portsmouth this season. So, I mean, it was always going to be a, a remarkably difficult job for whoever was in charge this season with such a ridiculous turnover. Yeah, well, I mean, that, the turnover has been the has been the benchmark of what's been happening with Fratton Park in recent years. I mean, um, last season it, it started off with, with one team under Michael Appleton, then, then he left and Guy Whittingham came in, and it was it was basically a whole rip it up and start again with a brand new squad. And, and Whittingham, let's be honest, it wasn't an easy job. He was, he was left with three or four players at the start of uh, this season to then completely build a squad from with a blank canvas. I think he would admit himself, if you had him on the programme, that he would... Uh, he probably made some errors with some of those recruitments. Certainly, as, as goalkeeper, he didn't he didn't solve that particularly well from day one. But and and the way that things happen, if you're bringing in new managers, they're going to want their own men involved. They're going to want to they're going to see certain players as the previous manager's um, player, and they're going to want to put their own stamp on things as quickly as possible. I mean, one prime example of that was David Connolly at uh, Portsmouth, who's a, who's a you know quality striker who's played at international level. Still scoring the goals for Oxford now that he's gone out on loan. Barker saw him as Whittingham's man, or certainly a threat to his position as manager because Connolly wanted the job as well, and and shipped him out as quickly as possible. Now, you know, he he gave the reason that it was that, that Connolly wanted to leave, um, wanted to play more football, but to let a when you need goals as well, to you're let desperate for goals. Out is just I think it's just was was foolish to be honest. You'd, sometimes you have to bite the bullet, even if you don't like player all that much as a, on a personal level you have to realise what they can do for your team and I think that was a huge mistake letting Connolly go but it, it's symptomatic of, of the turnover of players so many managers come in people want different players playing for them um, so I mentioned at the, the start there the gap is now five points yeah. uh, six games to go uh, this is the running Hartlepool at home Dagenham away Bristol Rovers at home Northampton away Bury away and Plymouth at home so that's uh, Bristol Rovers Northampton and Bury all down there as well yeah. and uh, that Northampton game could turn out to be huge couldn't it? I, I think so I think it would have been more huge had Pompey not won on Saturday I mean, it's a couple of weeks away and things could, mm. things could that's what I'm thinking I mean one win for Northampton, Northampton and one defeat for Pompey but I mean if the, the, the key to that is that is that Pompey do not go below Northampton in the in the in the intervening games to, before they get to that point, that then gives them that little bit of breathing space to go there and that you don't have to go and win the game. You can go there and draw the game and then you can still keep that gap in, in, in place. For my money, I think Northampton are actually going to get out of it. I think I think Wickham could be the team in massive trouble to go with Torquay. So, you know, and the other thing is, it's not just two from three, is it? Torquay look like they've got a huge mountain to climb to get out of it now, but it's not just Torquay, Northampton and Pompey down there. There's another five or six teams within sort of three points or so, so it's, it's, it's massively up for grabs in terms of trying to avoid it. So I mean, Pompey will think if, if you can piece together another win at home this weekend against Hartlepool, that will give them a massive cushion, and all of a sudden it will be another team looking over their shoulders with real worry, and it would really relieve some of the pressure that they've been under. Obviously, you're hoping that Portsmouth, you know, retain their football league status and stop the rot, as it were, and. and especially with all the turmoil that's gone on with the ownership and things, get back on a clean slate and start again next season in League Two. But if you were to slip down to the conference, are there provisions in place now? Um, is that something the club can deal with? Obviously, we've spoken about the huge crowds, 15,000 still at Fratton Park week in, week out, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, obviously, would make you a huge player in the conference if, if Portsmouth were to play their football there next year. But is that something that the club can deal with financially? 
can they, they deal with it? I think they can deal with it financially because I th- I'm pretty sure even if um, they did go down, heaven forbid, if they if they did go down into the conference, I'd bet my money that just, you'd still be getting at least 10,000 people at Fratton Park next season. Possibly, you, know, you might be dropping down to eight to 10,000, but that's still a pretty... Still a massive attendance, though, at that <laughs> level, isn't it? Huge. The conference club, if they did go down. For my money, I, I don't think they will go down. I honestly don't. I mean, if, you, if you'd asked me... A week ago, before Richie Barker was was uh, parted company with the club, I, I was in genuine fear. I couldn't see where a goal was coming from, let alone a win. But now that Orford has come in, there's been a real lift, a, a real positive change at the club, even in his short time at the at the helm. He's come in, said the right things. He's pressed the right buttons in terms of making that connection with the supporters again. And most importantly of all, he's got the players playing with that element of freedom and enjoyment again, which was so badly lacking in recent weeks so to answer your question I think they would be fine it's not like they're, they're hanging on by the, by a brink in terms of finances now that since the, since the new owners and the, and the club is owned by supporters it's not we're not waiting on a on a chairman to bankroll anything anymore it's, it's properly run club these days I'm keen to stress that because I think a lot of people still under the misguided assumption that Pompey is still run like a ramshackle sort of uh, Barrow in, uh, in in a marketplace somewhere with a foreign owner at the helm. It's not like that anymore. They've they've cut their cloth. They haven't tried to overspend this season. They made a sensible budget on what their projected uh, income was, and they're well within that from what I've uh, from what I've been told. So if it should ha- the worst happen and they should go down, I'm I'm certain that they would be uh, they'd be in a position to deal with that and then come back. Steve, I mentioned earlier about Pompey being uh, the bookmakers and some of the pundits' favourites to uh, bounce back to League One at the start of the season. But what what were the expectations of the fans, and how have they changed as the season's gone on? Is you know, I mean, we know the crowds are there still at Fratton Park, but what's the atmosphere been like uh, among the fans? Has there been an understanding of of how the clubs, uh, you know, perform this season? Well, it's it's, it's funny because it's it's changed as the as the season has, has progressed. I think very few people, other than the pundits and bookmakers from outside the club, thought Pompey were going to be favourites for promotion this season. I think that the average supporter, um, fair-minded, would have said, mid-table would do me fine. If we manage to get a, a dart at the playoffs at any stage, then fantastic. From what I was told and from what I know from a lot of supporters I've spoken to, promotion was never going to be on the cards this season for the club. What was the worry was that um, under Guy, some, he, he lost some of the faith of, of supporters purely because of the number of goals that were, that were being shipped in. When, when Pompey were playing well on their day, they looked like a match for any team. It could, it could tear any side apart. There was a couple of really good, promising performances early on in the season where they looked like they were just sort of clicking into gear. But then these individual errors kept happening and Guy almost couldn't find a way of solving that. And, you know, I think at some point, members of the board got a little bit carried away thinking we should be doing better than this. We should be higher up the, the table rather than giving Guy an opportunity to try and put things right. Now, for my money, I don't think Guy was the, the answer long term. I think he deserved an opportunity for what he did last season and for his standing at the club. But I wasn't convinced that he was going to necessarily lead the club back to promotion. Having said that, if they'd stuck with him, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have been in danger of going out of the league either so you, you see my point about how how the expectations have, have perhaps changed over the course of the season if you were to ask most fans they were looking upwards for most part guy left they were still looking upwards then this run of the under barker with four wins out of 20 games left them really looking over their shoulders and most people obviously are now thinking let's just make sure we're safe have a look at it again in the summer and see where we go i've just been looking at uh, march but portsmouth have played seven games in march which is obviously uh, quite a lot, but uh, they've only scored, I think, three goals yeah. in the whole month. Um, wow. So it's pretty obvious where the problems are. Two of them were on Saturday. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's a bit weird because uh, Richie Barker obviously did work. Barry got them promoted at the end of the season when he came with six games to go. Did a pretty good job, I think most people would say, at Crawley as well. A decent-ish job before it all yeah. went wrong. And uh, was regarded as sort of one of the bright young prospects managerially in the Football League. Any sort of reason why it didn't really click in particular, do you think? Or was it just a bad match? Uh, honestly, I mean, I've tried to think through this and work out exactly where it went wrong. My only thing is, I mean, it sort of drew parallels for me for way back in sort of 2000, 2001 when Tony Pulis was in charge of Pompey. He kept them up um, one season when they, when they were in relegation trouble, started the next season, and, and people didn't take to him. It, they, they, Pompey had a patchy start to that campaign, and he was sacked. Steve Clarence came in. 
Now, Tony Pulis, I think, has proved to everybody that he's a decent manager <laughs> in those in- intervening years. But sometimes a manager and a club just don't fit for whatever reason. It's a, it can be a personality thing. It can be a style of football thing. Um, Richie Barker, I'm, I'm sure, would do well at another club if he if he should get another managerial job. But having seen his, his quotes recently talking about MK Dons, he's quite happy just for the coaching role at the moment. Whether, whether that will change again in the future, I'm not sure. But uh, but uh, as it, as it turns out, his one of the key things that probably let him down was that he never once in tw- in the 20 games that he was in charge, never once came out and said, "I need to take some of the responsibility for this," or "I need to accept my part, part of the blame." There was always someone else's fault, the team's fault, the team's not good enough. Even to the point where he brought in eight or nine players and would say, these players aren't good enough to be here next season. Now, you, you wonder what sort of message that sends out. If you're signing those players and you, then you don't think they're good enough, then whose who's fault is it at the end of the day? And uh, I believe you uh, you got a kiss off Andy Orford on Saturday. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you've been so complimentary about him. <laughs> well, the story is that uh, the moment he came out at the end, the end of the game, it's, it's obviously everyone... Jubilant, and I, and I and I said to him before he started doing his interviews, I go, "There's going to be a lot of people wanting to kiss you tonight, I'm sure." And he laughed and said, "Maybe later." So, and then, as it, as it turned out, he did all his, his media duties, went off to see the chief executive, Mark Catlin, walked past me as he was going back into the uh, the, the dressing room. He go, "Come on, then, give us a give us a kiss and grab me." So, it wasn't quite as uh, as blatant as me going up and okay. kissing the manager. Trying maybe to maybe out of him, but it was uh, it was a good moment. Maybe both. more of that if Portsmouth stay up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for chatting to us, uh, Steve. Thanks for coming on. Nice no, to talk to you. Uh, that's uh, Steve Wilson, sports journalist at the Portsmouth News. You can read more from Steve on Pompey if you go to portsmouth.co.uk slash sport. And next, from one relegation scrap to another, we're going to swap League Two for League One. And we're, uh, we're off to Prenton Park. So Saturday, as it turned out, was quite a big day in the fight to avoid the drop from League One. Only one of the sides now in the bottom ten managed to win, that being Notts County, and they move out of the relegation zone, meaning that eight teams are now separated by six points as we, in effect, enter a kind of six-seven game season. Uh, Tranmere Rovers drew nil-nil with Carlisle on Saturday, which leaves them level with the Cumbrians, just outside the bottom four. I think it's on goal difference or goal scored, uh, but Rovers have only won four out of their last 17 and only two since Ronnie Moore was suspended by the club, pending the conclusion of an FA investigation into a potential breach of betting rules. And uh, as we record today, he's just been charged with misconduct by the FA. Alongside all of that, Chairman Peter Johnson confirmed on Saturday that he's not prepared to let the club fall back into administration despite a proposed takeover having fallen through. So plenty to discuss. Let's do it in the company of Paul Harper. Paul is a sports writer and the co-host of the Totally Tranmere Podcast Plus presents on Rover Radio, which is a fan-run Tranmere Rovers radio station. Uh, Paul, thank you very much for coming on. Let's start with uh, events on the field, if we can. That was a huge game against a direct relegation rival at the weekend and one that Tranmere failed to win. Are the fans starting to get a little bit twitchy? Yeah, you could say that, yeah, just <laughs> a little bit. Um, yeah, it was billed as a, you know, a six-point must-win game and um, unfortunately we didn't, didn't manage to do that. We had enough chances on goal during the game but it was it was a case of really bad uh, really bad finishing from our part um, when those chances came we just couldn't put them away and uh, yeah the performances have been a little bit shaky of late we seem to have fallen deeper and deeper into trouble and uh, at the moment it's uh, it is looking like uh, we, we need a, a miracle to uh, to pull us out at the moment and uh, I mean it looks like you Tranmere were, were on the slide even before Ronnie Moore was suspended Pending the outcome of the of the betting investigation, but by the FA, um, he's been charged with misconduct uh, this evening as we record. So, I mean, how much of an effect has this happened? This is, you know, seemingly worsened what was already a pretty poor performance from Tranmere, even when he was at the helm. Yeah, I mean, we've, it's been a terrible season on and off the pitch. You know, we've had Joe Thompson with his, uh, with obviously um, getting cancer earlier in the year. Um, you know, results have not been great all season long. We've been so inconsistent. It seems to be we we win one, we look like we we might be bouncing back, and then we lose one, draw one, and we're, we're not really making any progress. And it was the same, like you say, before the um, before this betting investigation with uh, with the manager. Um, and unfortunately, you know, things haven't haven't turned around at all. Uh, John McMahon's come in, and really, it's it's the same old, same old. Really, um, you know, John McMahon was a a good number two. I don't think he wants to be a manager first and foremost. He's just been sort of thrown into the role 
Um, like I say, yeah, it's just a case that he's carrying on what Ronnie Moore was doing at the start of the season, which, to be honest, wasn't really working as, as well as everybody had hoped. Well, it was, it was last season, wasn't it, where Tram had a brilliant first half of the season. You were top of the league, kind of uh, sort of dropped down to mid-table. Why is it not quite lived up to uh, to last season this year? I mean, I don't think I don't think the squad was as strong as it was at the start of last season. I think it, we started really well last year because everybody everybody kept fit. We had a strong first eleven, um, and then obviously we lost the, the likes of James Wallace, and, and obviously Cassidy went back to, to Wolves, and those were two massive players. Was really banging form at the time, um, and driving the team on. And uh, you know, Wallace got injured in, just before Christmas. Cassidy left at, at New Year. Um, and the wheels kind of fell off in a dramatic sense, really. Um, you know, we didn't have the backup to uh, to replace Cassidy's goals. We didn't have that drive in the midfield, and uh, and yeah, it kind of it, the season just petered out. And, and in effect, really, the the, the season this time round has, has been um, just like the finish to, to last season. We've just sort of been so inconsistent. You know, we've had poor performances. Um, we have had our injury problems, but I think the squad is strong enough to uh, have done better than what we have done at, at the moment this season. Paul, um, do you think that if Ronnie Moore hadn't have uh, had this suspension and, and this FA charge uh, labelled at him, uh, do you think he probably would have been sacked by now? Yeah, I mean, the, the season that we've had, it's been a it's been a poor season, and a lot of people, a lot of supporters, have been. You know, calling for his head long before all this uh, all this mess started. The fact is that when we were doing really well, we uh, we gave him a brand new contract for, uh, <laughs> for two and a half years. Everything looked uh, looked bright and rosy, and you know, twelve months later, and uh, you know that decision's looking a bit stupid, isn't it? But do you do you pay him off the eighteen months? You know, we're not we're not made of money. Um, you know, finances are, are bare at best. So to to sack him and pay him off would be a difficult decision to make and I think Peter Johnson's just been in this sort of boat where you know we hope that things turn around because you know we did have uh, players coming back into the team and you you hope that they can spark a little bit of a, a fight back and uh, unfortunately that's uh, that's yet to come Well you mentioned the chairman there Peter Johnson uh, he announced as I said in the intro on Saturday that this uh, deal to take over the club has fallen through how much of a blow uh, is that and sort of at this time as well yeah, I mean, he came out a couple of weeks ago on the BBC and, and said, you know, that a, a deal was uh, was imminent, and uh, you know, a couple of weeks, and it was a, a buyer who who the uh, the supporters could trust, and who was going to invest in in the football club. So everything looks, you know, fantastic. You know, new owners, obviously a bright new uh, a bright new future, hopefully, and uh, you know, all that's fallen through. Um, so yeah, it is a bit of a you know dodgy ground off off the field. Um, doesn't help with all the um, you know the the goings on off the pitch, and I'm sure that's that's filtering its way onto the uh, into the players on on the field as well. Um, you know the supporters just want um, the club to uh, to show a little bit of ambition and to uh, to try and move forward. And at the moment, it's kind of just it's kind of a stale um, feeling around around the place at the moment. It's 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 like a club that's not really going anywhere, not pushing for anything, and we're just sort of a little bit stagnant at the moment, really. It's ridiculously tight down there, isn't it? At the bottom of the league, there are so many teams perched on on forty points or below. Um, certainly, even even up to Colchester and the likes of, of those guys in forty three as well. Um, are the fans optimistic about the running? What's the kind of feeling in, in the club? Obviously, with this this takeover news has been a bit of a blow, and obviously the running more news that we discussed already. Are the fans on a downer now, or is it a, still quite optimistic that you can pull yourselves out of this? You'll be you'd be hard thought to, uh, to find an optimistic Tramway fan at the moment, I'm afraid. Um, you know, everything seems to be going against us. You know, all the stuff off the pitch, and obviously on the pitch. You know, we've we've not had back to back victories all season in the league. All um, season, which is, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, all season we've not won back to back matches. I think our, our best one was about five games unbeaten, but there was a, you know three or four draws in there. Well, listen to this, Paul. This is the running. Uh, Colchester away on Saturday. That's a huge game. And then you've got Shrewsbury at home. They're in the relegation zone at the moment. Then Crawley away, who, by the way, are having to play about 15 games in about five weeks. <laughs> uh, Gillingham away, another bottom-half team. Sheffield United, who are probably the week after the, the Cup semi-final, I think, or maybe two weeks after. And then you've got Orient away and then Bradford at home on the last day. So you, you have got quite a lot of bottom-half teams in there. 
Yeah, I mean, with the seven games to go, the next four are the big ones for me. If we can, we need to be picking up the bulk of the points from those from those games, like you say. They're, they're the uh, the bottom of the table side. So if we can pick up points um, against them and kind of um, pull the likes of um, you know Gillingham and Crawley a little bit closer to the uh, to the drop zone and obviously Colchester as well on on Saturday. And that's going to be the big ones. I don't really fancy us to get anything against Sheffield United and Orion at the moment. So, you know, the next four games for me, we've really got to be picking up hopefully nine points. But like I say, we've not won back-to-back games all season. So to think that is a bit optimistic, to say the least. That that win that you got last month against Notts County, a 3-2 victory, looks absolutely huge in hindsight. Now, you'd be bottom of the league if it wasn't for that. Um, but going into the, to the running, as Mark says, there are some winnable games there. You're looking at the squad and the players that could give Tranmere fans hope. Ryan Lowe, one of the one of the best scoring marksmen in the division. You know, perhaps you'd be surprised considering the the lowly league position. Obviously, there's, there must be deficiencies in other areas of the team. But he's performed well this season, and of course, Jason Kumas is is there as well. How's he been? Jason Kumas has been really good of of late. Took him a while to uh, to get back to sort of match fitness. Obviously, he's not played for for two years before this season. So it did take him sort of two or three months to uh, to get back up to the speed of things, but he, he's been he's been really good. Unfortunately, he's injured at the moment, so really missed him last Saturday. Um, but yeah, he's been instrumental in um, in creating a lot of uh, of goals for, for for the likes of uh, Ryan Lowe. Um, and you know, Lowe's been absolutely superb. Can't underestimate the um, the impact that he's nineteen had goals this season in a team who are fifth bottom of the, the league. I mean. Where would you be without those 19 goals? I would dread to think, but we would nowhere be near the uh, the 40 points that we've got at the moment. Well, you have got um, Jake Casty back there now, haven't you? And you've brought back John Louis Akparakpro from from Berry online. Not sure that's going to help too much, but no, no, it's not. I'm judging on Saturday. It's definitely not. Where are the goals so, yeah, coming from, though? They're not going to come from Ryan Lowe. If they're not coming from Lowe, then you, you're really struggling, and and that's that's why Jason Kiemas is such a big player. If we can get him back fit. Because it's uh, it's his sort of set of pieces and stuff like that where we can get goals, you know, with free kicks, corners. He's he's superb, um, and you've seen a lot of sort of defenders heading heading in corners and free kicks to uh, to get us the goals. Cassidy's come back. He looks totally shot of any confidence whatsoever. He's not scored for uh, a good twelve months at least. Um, he's got one goal for us um, in twelve months. So um, he's a player short of confidence. Um, He's not really met the expectations that maybe we had when he came back. Um, looking at you know his form forward last season. Thanks very much for coming on the show, Paul. Great to have Pleasure. you on. Enjoy the rest of the season if you can. Yeah, biting those fingernails. I'm sure, that's the, that's the word <laughs> I'm going to use. But yeah, thank you very much. That's uh, Paul Harper, sports writer, Rover Radio presenter, and co-host of the Totally Tramir podcast, which you can listen to at totallytramirpodcast.co.uk or on iTunes. Next, you know what's coming. It's time for my club. We hear from another fan in 125 seconds, all to celebrate the 125th anniversary of the Football League. And today, it's the turn of Bristol Rovers. This is We Are Going Up, my club in 125 seconds. Hello, my name is Tom Byfield and my club are Bristol Rovers. So Tom, do you remember your first trip to the Memorial Ground? Uh, Blimey, yeah, going back (laughs) a few years now. My first game would have been at Twerton Park, actually. Okay. Yeah, sort of uh, about 93. I think we played Birmingham. um, And all I can seem to remember is is Kevin Francis. Elbows all over the place. (laughs) What was your most memorable Bristol derby? Um, we beat them in the, the JPT area final, um, 2007, uh, Super Ricky Lambert scored an absolute beauty, so yeah, that would be a personal highlight. I'm going to bring it down a notch, because I always do this, the boys ask the questions about the good ones, <laughs> and I have to ask the uh, questions about the bad times. Who's the worst player you've seen at Bristol Rovers in your time supporting? Oh, blimey. All right, in the squad at the moment. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> there was a player we, we had about 2001. I think we got relegated that season. We had a player called Musa Dagnoga and he was absolute toilet. I have never seen a worse player in my life. So um, talk to me about John Ward. I was saying to the boys, actually, uh, off air before we started recording the show, I only found out today that he's uh, he's uh, moved upstairs at Bristol Rovers to be director of football and Daryl Clark's come in. What do you make of it? Yeah, well, I think it's the right decision, but weirdly, it's at a, it's a very strange time of the year. You know, I would have thought that they would have waited to see 
uh, if we'd stayed up and then uh, and then try and do something in the summer. But you know, he, he's done well in the in non-league, so yeah, we're, we're, we're right behind him. And who's been your favourite player to wear the the blue and white quarters <laughs> over the years? Yeah. yeah, Ricky Lambert probably. There's been a few. We've had quite a few strikers over the years. Jason Roberts, uh, Jamie Curiton and, and Nathan Ellington and stuff. But I, I'd, I'd have to say Ricky Lambert. The bloke's an absolute legend. And when he scores for England in the World Cup, <laughs> that extra little bit of pride. Do you not get yeah. a little sign-on fee for that? Yeah. <laughs> for not you, you, <laughs> you not put that in his contract when he moved? Uh, Tom, your two minutes is up. Thank you very much. That's brilliant. Thank you. My club in 125 seconds. We are going up. We've got the Football League covered. Cheers to Tom. We'll have another My Club next week and we need your help, folks. If you're a brand new listener, we're basically trying to get a fan of all 72 clubs on to do that, to do My Club during the season. And we're now exactly halfway there. We've done 36. We've got eight shows left. So um, we haven't really thought this through, but... Yeah, yeah, math. If you would uh, like to help us out, this is how you do it. Get in touch if you support any of these clubs. Accrington, Barnsley, Birmingham, Blackpool, Bolton, Brighton, Burton, Albion, Cheltenham, Coventry, Crawley, Crewe, Dagenham and Redbridge. Derby, Doncaster, Exeter, Fleetwood, Gillingham, Hartlepool, Leeds, Mansfield, Middlesbrough, Millwall, MK Dons, Newport. Or Northampton, Nottingham Forest, Notts County, Plymouth, Port Vale, Preston, Rochdale, Sheffield Wednesday, Swindon, Walsall, Wigan... And York. There you go. So if you support one of those sides, please tweet us at Wagyu Podcast or send us an email this week. We are going up.co.uk slash contact. We need fans. Hopefully we could get you on before the end of the season. Right now, let's start our weekend review, shall we? And um, well, basically, we've been in Nottingham this weekend, so I'm guessing you haven't seen too much of the football. The Johnson's Paint Trophy, the EC, was on Sunday, though, mm-hmm. at Wembley, and it was a 3 1 victory for uh, Peterborough, their first ever trophy, first major piece of silverware. Josh McCoy, Sean Brisley, and. Is then- it a major piece of silverware? It's all I wonder when I was watching. It. Is it major? It's sort of, I mean, it is good, isn't I'll it? I'll tell you it's what, though, it's a is it better than winning League One? Absolutely not. No, but the no. trophy's better. I well, think that trophy the trophy's is huge, isn't it? Great. Actually, yeah, I yeah. think it's one of the best trophies. It's much better than the piddly trophy you get for winning the playoffs. It's much better. Um, yeah, the 80 million quid, though, probably would make up for that. <laughs> that, that well not in League One but yeah that's true um, Darren Ferguson so Ferguson basically is going to win a trophy this season yeah. get out of the way first Lord. player to win it as captain and manager yeah he scored so. for Wrexham when they won it as well and Lord Ferg was there in the stands watching um, is that what he's called how are you calling him now <laughs> yeah. um, Lord Ferg Darren Ferguson said afterwards <laughs> hopefully today will re- re-energise us uh, to reach the playoff final in May the one thing we are good at is winning the big games and teams do not like playing us in one-off matches. As long as we play League 2 teams. Well, yeah. Really good at beating them. But yeah, what did you make of it anyway? Good win for uh, for Peter, but that will we'll get a bit of confidence yeah. going. Probably is going to be, uh, as I say, probably a shot in the arm, isn't it? No matter who the opposition are, winning at Wembley in front of the, you know, the passionate support and having that big day out can act as a bit of a catalyst. But as we've seen with several teams higher up the the ladder um, it can also act as a bit of a kind of well we've done our bit now we've won the trophy kind of take our foot off the gas a little bit and ends up adversely affecting the league form rather well, than uh, being a positive by no means a posh definitely in the playoffs so they're only one point clear of Swindon now they've got two, two games in hand but it's got a bit tighter there they'd lost five out of their last seven uh, before Sunday's win Chesterfield I actually thought were quite unlucky really they should have had a penalty early on when it was nil-nil. and uh, I think yeah, in contrast to uh, Darren Ferguson Paul Cook said afterwards we don't want to be back at Wembley uh, but they've got a little bit of a cushion going into the last few weeks of the season five points clear with six games to go they should get up from this position shouldn't they yeah I think you do I think you'd absolutely think that and they have been one of the best teams all season they've got some of the best players and they've got the best player officially yes. in, in League Two. So you'd, you'd be very surprised if they were to uh, fluff their lines. I know Adrian Durham on Twitter wasn't happy about him trying to uh, get a penalty, thought he was diving. Probably just enjoy the win, Adrian. But anyway. <laughs> I, um, think, I think he is. Okay. <laughs> I bet he is. Uh, the Championship then. Uh, let's uh, let's start at the top, shall we? Uh, one of the standout games of the season so far was played at Turf Moor on Saturday lunchtime. If only we knew someone who was there. Jim, how was it? Brilliant. My voice is still a little bit shaky. I managed to completely lose it Sunday. But yeah, it was fantastic. I thought we gave a, a brilliant account of ourselves. Obviously, the game was impacted quite a lot by Sam Vokes kind of, hob- well, not even hobbling off, kind of fell off the pitch and had to be to help to the bench. Rupture of the anterior yeah. cruciate ligament. I'm sure oh, we'll talk so about that in a second. Yeah, it's a huge injury. But from a Leicester point of view, you're nearly fantastic. there. Seven we are. more points and you'll yeah. be in the Premier League. As a Leicester fan... And you've been a long, you know, we can joke about it, but you've been outside the top flight for 10 years now. Yeah. This must be a very special season. It is. 
it's a special season, um, particularly after last year's debacle, which, as I said, when I, I spoke to the, the Burnley guys, um, week, that 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 playoff win will forever haunt me. And I, I thought that that would be the end of our challenge for the significant uh, future. But it was a fantastic win, a great game and uh, bizarre that you brilliant atmosphere. didn't win against Yeovil, bottom of the league and then beat yeah, Burnley second. I think maybe we became a bit complacent with the, the back-to-back draws. I went to Blackburn as well, spent a lot of time on the M6 basically in the last two weeks. Um, that was a an end-to-end game, a game which really we probably should have lost by rights. We had chances to win it, but they were all over us the second half. So we were fortunate really to come out of those two games with two points. And I think that's just given us the springboard to go into these last few games. Hopefully get the, the six points, seven points sooner rather than later. And then Jamie uh, Vardy going to be back? Uh, maybe he's gone for a scan today so okay. there's no there's no official word on that he isn't the type of player to hobble off easily so that in itself may be a double-edged sword in that he may have done a bit more damage than we, we thought we, um, we were talking actually just off the air before we started uh, the show about uh, the situation there because Leicester are playing away at Wigan on Tuesday night this week that game might have taken place by yeah. the time you hear this then they host Sheffield Wednesday on Friday yeah. so you could be in that situation where they win those two games they're all but up but they need seven points because on goal difference they can be still be yeah, caught we've like, got a superior goal difference you're, so not, getting, you're not going to be caught on goal difference but no. they still can't put the thing up saying promoted and then on Saturday QPR or Derby could lose and you could get promoted by not yeah, playing or draw which I said to you would be a shame because I want I want it to be in front of 28, 30,000 people when we, we have our promotion party or at least an away game uh, like Reading or, or one of the games we've got coming up but then you told me to promptly shut up and <laughs> be happy that we're getting promoted so yeah I think Absolutely. I think I did I'll take that um, Burnley then they're going to be without Danny Ings and Sam Vokes going into this last run of games DC um, and uh, yeah so their their remaining games uh, well I think the next four a good, a good game. Well, well, Watford away is tough, actually. Watford away, <laughs> yeah. uh, Barnsley away. I haven't said that, Barnsley have just won their last two. Um, <laughs> Middlesbrough at home, Blackpool away, and then the last three, Wigan, Ipswich and Reading. So uh, you'd think that if they can get the next few out of the way with wins, that would be, uh, be enough. I yeah. think they should have just enough, but yeah. the injury to Vokes will come as a concern. I don't think Ings isn't as serious. Ings should be back before the end of the season, but Vokes... You know, could be out for some time, and it's sort of reminiscent of the uh, injury Glenn Murray uh, uh, suffered for, mm. for Palace last year after the fantastic season he had. And you're gutted for Vokes because, you know, Ings has got the headlines this season, but Vokes has been, you know, arguably even just as important to Burnley. He's weighed in with a hell of a lot of goals himself. Uh, he's been a key part of their of their fantastic season. And if 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 they go up, you know, he probably won't be back for the start of the season. And from when he does come back, he, and it's com- things completely change. Maybe his place won't be there anymore. They'll have to bring in replacements. It takes you a while to get fit. It's come at a terrible, terrible time for him. But Burnley, you know, they've got to focus on on getting over the line. Ashley Barnes, who they spent a bit of money on in January, is going to have to come in and and do you know do his best to fill the gap that Vokes will leave. The other thing about Burnley is that even if they do you know don't win a lot of those games, QPR have been so in and out, haven't they? Yeah. And I'm just looking, every chance. I'm looking at QPR's games. Bournemouth says. away next year on a great run. You got Blackburn away, that's tough. You got Leicester away, still you know I think Burnley are, mm. are going to get yeah, there. Yeah, they'll be fine. They're going to go over the line. You said they play Watford next week at Vicarage Road and. Uh, Sean Dyche will get a hero's reception yeah. Yeah. from the Vicarage Road faithful. Well, you know, actually, even it's kind of <laughs> partly because he's done so well at Burnley, I think, and, <laughs> and it's gone wrong for us this season. People sort of his reputation with the Watford fans has gone up even higher than it already was. Because in the early days, it is at his spell as manager in Watford, he, it, there were some dissenting voices, but now I think he will get a, a much deserved uh, good reception. Derby uh, beat Charlton 3 0. Good way to bounce back after they lost to Ipswich in midweek. In terms of the playoffs, though, Wigan only one point from the last two games. Uh, they lost to QPR and then they drew with Bolton on Saturday. Late penalty save. Love a last minute penalty <laughs> save from uh, Ali Alhabsi uh, no it wasn't Ali Alhabsi it was Adam Bogdan so I got yeah. the wrong keeper there he made some good saves in the game as well you really, yeah. can really confuse the two <laughs> <laughs> yeah noted um, Nick Powell with a great goal for uh, for Wigan down at the end um, you'd think that they'll get in the playoffs so they've got a game in hand haven't they so yeah. it's going to be that sixth spot isn't it, isn't it? Oh, Reading have had a shocking week they had home games in, I, I, was laughing, on, I was laughing watching the Football League show because Nigel Adkins was like Trying to take, you know, he's a very glass half full man. He yeah. could he could be in a car crash and come out taking the positives. <laughs> they've played Barnsley and Huddersfield at home this week and they've taken one point. Oh. Um, but he was still staying positive. But below them, look at that though. Bournemouth, great run. They uh, won again at the weekend at Birmingham. Brighton are imploding, but they're still in there. Ipswich won. I didn't know they drew it all the weekend and then Forest some, as well. Some good news that has um, just been confirmed this evening as we record. Uh, Johnny Williams, who they've got on loan from Crystal Palace. Mm. A very highly rated young Welsh midfielder. Um, he's played six games for them as as, as impressed. He's, he was due to go back to Palace, but it has uh, been tonight confirmed that he'll stay with them till the end of the season. Right. 
So that will give them a real boost. They drew one all actually, didn't they, with Forrest on uh, Saturday. A late goal from Daryl Murphy. Nine games without a win for Forrest. Uh, Rumours, as we record this week, that they've gone back in for Stuart Pearce. I noticed that quite a few Forrest fans, I know he's a club legend on Twitter, are a bit grateful it didn't sort of happen last week, but no, it looks like they could be going back to him. Any more on that? Well, I think initially the contact when the contact was made, it, it seemed to be that Forrest were looking for a manager to the end of the season. That's certainly the deal that they offered uh, Neil Warnock. And I think that's possibly what put Stuart Pearce off. I think if he was going to go back into management, um, he'd want long-term security. And understandably so, I suppose. And it seems as though that may be on the table now, which you know obviously will change his position and, and we'll see whether he'll take it. And it, it, it's not, as we said you know, last week at, at length, it is, despite the, they're in, you know, in the doldrums and, and haven't won for ages, it's still a club that you take them over two points off the playoffs as we've just mentioned Reading, Bright and then you know there are other teams there that are all stuttering towards the end of the season if you can come in and just somehow uh, hit the ground running you could be in the Premier League within a month definitely dreadful penalty by the way just uh, mentioned Brighton from uh, uh, Joe sure, uh, yeah, oh it's awful God. wasn't it awful. one of the worst I've seen this season and Ian Hart we should say have a great goal for, for Bournemouth six wins in eight for them uh, Watford won 4-1 at Sheffield Wednesday you couldn't bloody believe that could you on Saturday <laughs> I'm, I'm not, uh, when we were in Nottingham at our old university reunion at the weekend a couple of us went back to our old uh, local betting shop that we used to do when we were at uni. We were all putting Never accumulators on. And, and I was I was advising anyone that would listen, don't bet on Watford today, lads. We've not won away since October. Sheffield Wednesday on a good run. Avoid us. Avoid us. And what do we do? Fall in love. Do you know the story that Stuart Gray wasn't there, though, because he was at his son's wedding? Oh, really? Yeah, so Sheffield Wednesday's manager wasn't there. Well, there you go. Yeah. Apparently, it was in his contract when he signed it a couple of years ago Smart when he joined guy. the club as a coach That's the problem is that he's always going to remember that for, you know 4-1 <laughs> yeah, defeat the day is going to be tainted forever by the hammering he received at Watford good point um, I, let's not t- talk too much about Chilino because I'm sure we'll be doing it again at some point soon um, but there was this you phone it, you've heard it yeah you? I've oh, listened geez. to it it's been removed actually from uh, SoundCloud today I'm surprised yeah um, so uh, anyway Leeds lost at home to Doncaster five defeats in six remember when they were all uh, trying to get Brian McDermott back after they thrashed Huddersfield yeah lost, <laughs> just lost practically every game since um, down at the bottom, now, let's, let's talk about this. This is where it's, uh, it's happening. Barnsley, where's this come from this week? Two big wins away at Reading and Yeovil, seven goals in two uh, games. Is the great escape on again for them? They're uh, level now with Charlton. Yeah, Charlton obviously have got a couple of games in hand, haven't they? Thanks to their cup run and awful pitch. But um, Barnsley are making a good fist of it. It was one of those clubs where you look at them and kind of down and out a little bit, um, similar to uh, how we talked about Torquay, you know, in the in the show so far and kind of cut adrift. But they've still got a game in hand um, over the two teams below them, obviously Millwall and, and Yeovil. So there is every chance that, that that situation at the bottom of the table could change as well. And they've also got the, uh, the highest scoring player from sides in the bottom half of the championship, 13 goals for Chris O'Grady. Mm. And, and Dale Jennings has scored a few. Dale Jennings has he's scored a couple of nice goals, isn't he? Yeah. popped up. That one on Saturday was a cracker. Millwall, though, we were there last week, as we said, and Ian Holloway's speech was inspiring and stuff, but mm. they just uh, threw away the lead twice on uh, on Saturday mm. at home to, uh, to Blackburn. And uh, they had an extra man as well. Grant Hanley was sent off there. I have no idea why he was sent no, off. It was a ridiculous an awful decision. decision. My, uh, awful. my weekly mill report from my uh, from my colleague from Joe. Uh, yeah, from Joe. He was uh, there last week when we went along. hosting the Lions live podcast. Um, said that it was actually would have in a strange way would have rather been like on the receiving end of a five 0 thrashing because at least he could have come to terms with the disappointment earlier on like losing the, the win in the way that they did after twice mm. going ahead and thinking right this is the result this is the result that we needed. And then it's just back down to earth with a sickening thud. And it's just, you know, I think they're, they are in big, big trouble. They can't, they just can't get the result to save their lives. Even if they do match to score a goal, they ship them in at the other end. That was a bad one against Birmingham um, midweek, wasn't it? Holloway, well. Holloway's going to have the task of being my manager on Wednesday. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, hopefully, I'll well, get if a chance. I have a good game. Hopefully, we'll be able to grab him for a couple of weeks. Short term deal to the end of the season. <laughs> Get him in there, Ian. Uh, League One. What a brilliant week for Wolves at the top. Six points clear. Liam McAlinden scored his first uh, league goal for the club. 1-0 win at MK Dons in front of almost 9,000 away fans. I can't get my head around that. 9,000 away fans. It was the largest attendance ever for a football match at Stadium MK. Wow. And uh, basically, you had Sort of, if you looked at it, half that end sort of overspilling on both sides, all Wolves fans. And Jim, uh, they're nearly there. I think they need 10 more points to go up. And with uh, Brentford and Orient dropping points, that was a bloody good weekend. Yeah. Um, I saw a, a few people on Twitter saying that the effect of the, the crowd um, on the referee, certainly to 
to send the player off, uh, the MK Dons player, they, they feel they'd kind of influenced it a bit more than they normally would if they'd taken a normal amount. So maybe, the you know, take as many fans as you can to Stadium MK. <laughs> um, you never know what you might get out of it. Well, I'll tell you what's interesting, actually, because uh, they're on 86 points now. That They're going to go up, obviously. Uh, below them, Brentford are on 80. Lindley drew at the weekend away at Oldham, who are down near the bottom. Mm-hmm. Got two games in hand. Obviously, those are important. But then you've got Orient, 76. Look at that. Rotherham and Preston on 75 now. And uh, Rotherham have got a game now and win that. They're only two points behind Brentford themselves. And uh, there's now, staggeringly, a seven, as we record, a 17-point gap between fifth and sixth, which is a huge gap in any division at this stage yeah, of the season. Remarkable, isn't it, actually? Absolutely ridiculous. Shows you how far Peterborough have fallen off since the start of the season and also how well and how consistent Preston have been. You know, they've pretty much been they you know, there in those sort of two fourth and fifth positions all, all season. They've only lost five games this yeah. season out of forty. And they've, mm. they've you know, they've kept going about their business very well and an excellent job by Simon Grayson this season. But Rotherham as well, I mean they're the team, you know, really on form. Fifteen unbeaten. Then they've beaten some big teams around them, haven't they? They beat Brentford a few weeks ago. And as you say, I mean, it's not out of the question for them to get automatic promotion. They they kind of sneaked it last season, didn't they? The League Two automatic promotion spot. They weren't really up there in the top three all season and they took advantage of some other teams slipping up and got into that third spot, didn't they, Uh, on the the last day. Um, So who knows? They could do it again. I'd still say Brentford will probably do it. Yeah. But, you know, Rotherham and Preston, they're the two teams you've got to watch out for in the playoffs. And late in Orient, they... Yeah, well, to a to a lesser extent, but they've had a brilliant season, and it's can they just somehow find? You know, they've still had a couple of draws lately, haven't they? A couple of defeats, so that they've lost something, but they need to try and find it. Well, they need to make ground on on Brentford, and that was a great chance of Brentford drawing. They had Bradford at home, team with nothing to play for, and the Orient are a club that. You know, you, you get these chances to go up. And I've spoken about this a few times this season. And you, you, you get these moments and, and it's all well and good saying, oh, well, we might be in a good position. You know, we've got good players. You know, we'll try and keep the squad together like we did last season. But you just don't know. Look at Tranmere, you know, a perfect example. Exactly. One season to the next, you could you fall off dramatically and it'll be a great shame for them if they don't go up. Well, if Peterborough don't win these uh, games in hand, it could get quite interesting for sixth spot as well with the teams below them gaining ground at the weekend. Wins for Swindon and Walsall. Down at the bottom, though, we've kind of talked about this from a Tranmere point of view already. There's so many teams down there. It is ludicrous. The team that we've got to flag up, as I mentioned earlier in the show, um, winning at the weekend, in fact, winning their last three games in the last week and not County only seems like two weeks ago we were sat here after that defeat uh, to try and sort of writing their season off mm-hmm. completely and uh, just shows what a bit of momentum can do and especially because there's so many teams down there a lot of them all still have to play each other yeah. uh, which is a sort of double opportunity to make points what do you reckon of the, the state of play down there Jim at the moment with Notts County outside the relegation zone now I'm struggling to put a, it's, it just seems like put a pin in what it what the bookies saying just, what the bookies saying I'll have a look for you you have a look, have a look. Well, me, you go high up as 15th with Bristol City who have had an upturn in form under Steve Cottrell, but uh, you know they're by no means safe. You know you've got Crawley, you've got all those games in hand, so that might play into their favour if they manage to get good results out of them. But there's, have you, as you say, there would look like there was a teams cut adrift a few weeks ago, and somehow against all evidence to, in, <laughs> to the contrary, they've managed to pull out well, some consecutive wins. And those, you know, already exciting all of a sudden. Those three wins for Notts County were against Carlisle, Crew, and Colchester teams oh, all yeah. down there. Yeah, so it just shows the. Uh, the advantage of winning uh, as, those games, you know, as we talked about earlier, you know when all these teams like Crawley and uh, you know Newport in League Two had all, all these games called off over the over the winter with all the bad weather. It, you know there isn't a team down there from 50, that's played. You know from fifteen, he's got 50, Bristol City played forty, Crawley thirty six, Oldham forty, Colchester thirty nine, Notts County fourteen. It's, you know every game, every team has got a different amount of games played down there. Mm. So it's going to take a few weeks for that to even out. Only two goals in the last seven games for Carlisle, uh, which is really really poor. Uh, they've re-signed Gary Medine, who was obviously in prison, wasn't he? Mm. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday have got him back on loan, their ex-player till the end of the season, mm-hmm. which might help. Have we got some odds, maybe for we yeah? To so Shrewsbury. Steve Stevenage uh, both really really short to go there one to three crew one to two they've got the worst defence in English football yeah, crew they have um, Carlisle who you just mentioned uh, are odds on as well but so are Notts County so to be fair I don't Not think the bookies, are odds on uh, to go down boss, oh yeah there's five teams um, I'm looking at that are odds on to go down so Hang on a minute. to be fair the bookmakers <laughs> don't know what's going on neither do we this raises a, a point I was thinking about this afternoon when I was putting some stuff together for the show that why do four teams go down from League 
one and four go up from it's League strange, Two. Strange, isn't it? Uh, all the other divisions where you have. I mean, you can understand it more with the relegation from League Two because of the conference. It's completely different. Yeah, I mean, I read I read that somewhere that like because if you like. only two go down from League Two, yeah. four then go up to League One. Is that? Yeah, I don't weird. know. If you know the answer yeah, to that, let us know. Please what, do. What, we're not clever enough to work it out. Why? Why is there one more team that goes down from League One than any other division? Than yeah. the why is there four relegation and places, four, which four is teams? Why, in in the Championship and League One, three teams get promoted. Why do four yeah. get promoted from League Two? Why the three automatic promotion right. places and then one playoff? Which is why, in the same breath, that you've got so many teams odds on just to send go down five because of them you've down. got four. <laughs> send all five of them down. Five of them down. Uh, League Two. Let's uh, talk about this now. In League Two, it does look like we know the uh, the three teams that are going to go up because there is a bit of a gap. Uh, sort of established Rochdale now. They look nailed on to go up, don't they? Uh, nine points ahead of fourth place Fleetwood with only six games to go. Scumfort broke a football league record, or rather mm. Russ Wilcox did at the weekend. 24-match unbeaten start as a football league manager. A uh, lot of draws in there, but regardless... Oh, no, no draws as well this weekend. Lot of, yeah, there was, wasn't there? A lot of uh, draws in there, but regardless, Scunny now seven clear with uh, six to go. Going up? I think so. I mean, as you say, sometimes, as you well know, Mark, draws, too many draws mm. can be the undoing of you, but... You know, they have managed to pick up the odd win as well. And they were, well, before the last weekend, they won three on the spin. So, yeah, I think they will go up. And you know, a great job that Wilcox has done. Fleetwood and Burton uh, should be in the players. You'd think they've got a six-point cushion with six to go. Maybe not. And then it's really interesting. South End, Oxford, York and uh, Plymouth are a bit further back. But South End, Oxford and York all on 59. South End have pulled out a couple of wins when they needed it after that long winless run. And Oxford, I don't know if any of you have seen the goal that they conceded at Dagenham. It's basically a last-minute uh, there's a shot from hang on there's a shot from the edge of the box which hits the uh, Oxford player then rebounds into his own man loops up all the way over the top of the goalkeeper in injury time and that's two defeats in two games for Gary Waddock um, and I spotted actually on Twitter on the Oxford um, I think we follow like uh, in one of the Oxford sort of Twitter accounts for one of the, the newspapers and it was like can the you still make the playoffs and I clicked on that expand and all the comments below <laughs> no 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 we no. are yeah uh, not very good. Uh, what about down at the bottom then? Uh, Northampton lost 3-0 at home to Bury on Saturday, which uh, was not what was required in their situation. No, but they are showing a little bit of resistance, aren't they? If you take it back seven or eight weeks, they're in a, a worse position. Um, as we, we kind of... You're yawning over there. About Portsmouth. <laughs> sorry, Dave. I'm keeping you up. Sorry, lads. Boring you a little bit. Um, as we were saying earlier with Portsmouth, there are still quite a lot of teams who are, are down there there's loads there, it is I mean to be fair the bottom two as well you've got to think they've got awful goal differences as well yeah Torquay I mean Torquay so, I mean if they escape from this it's a bloody miracle uh, seven points adrift with a really bad goal difference with six to play yeah um, Northampton have still got to play some teams around them we I mean Saturday was huge for us yeah. I think we should be we, you know, we've got a game in hand against Bristol Rovers uh, on Tuesday this week, which might again have already happened by the time you hear this. But um, if we can win that, then we've brought in two strikers on loan this week who've both scored on their debut. Who? Hallam uh, Hope from Everton and uh, Danny Rose from Barnsley, Flick Cross Old Club. Both scored at the weekend. And if you uh, watch Football League show, that last goal is an absolute calamity from Northampton's point of view. Um, I mentioned Bristol Rovers there, who we are playing. Uh, the news this week that John Ward has moved uh, to be director of football. He's moved upstairs at Bristol Rovers. And Daryl Clark, his assistant, has taken over, was in charge for a, a win at the weekend. And uh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> If you have only just started listening to this podcast this season, you might not be aware of this uh, of this bit of uh, audio I'm about to play. If you are, what a chance to reminisce and enjoy <laughs> it all over again. It's from our League Two preview right back at the start of the season when we had John Ward, then Bristol Rovers manager, on the phone. And uh, DC had a question for him. And I think that that's an interesting point, uh, John, that you make there in terms of you mentioned before when you said the club needed to settle down and it's had a lot of managers over the last few years and it's been up and down and there's not been much stability. So bringing someone in like Daryl Clark and, you know, could could you perhaps see one day him taking over maybe in, in a few years down the line if you continue to have sex and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't you, do you, that. Sorry, if you continue to... <laughs> that will, uh, that question that'll be one, that'll be one of the, out, be one of the are, outtakes. We're, yeah, that's staying we're, in. Yeah, I'll pick up, yeah, I'll pick up pretty, from there. Yeah, we're pretty close, but not that close, <laughs> you know? <laughs> OK. Starting the Start season again. with a bang. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> no, you can't say that either. <laughs> okay. Go on, let me let's calm down. <laughs> Go on, try me again. 
<laughs> do you enjoy that? <laughs> I don't think absolutely ever, ridiculous. Don't think I'll ever get tired of hearing that clip. And I think it's it is still one of my most listened to things on the same Um Right, oh dear. that is it. Uh, thank you very much for listening this week. And uh, oh, it's really exciting this time of the season. It's good. We're nearly there. Uh, about uh, sort of uh, five, six weeks to go. You were uh, saying we're going to have a rebrand, weren't you, at the weekend? It was supposed to be the We Are Staying Up podcast. Is week. it? Did I say oh, that? You? Yeah. Oh, bloody hell, Am I going to be allowed on next year, being at the It's the price you pay me. We are yet to have that discussion. <laughs> yeah, um, so contract renegotiations, uh, re- renegotiations are yet to take place. So. Easy for you to say. Soundclay.com slash Wagyu podcast if you want to listen, maybe revisit that wonderful clip we just played. And play it again and again to your heart's content. Uh, you can go to uh, check the website as well, wearegoingup.co.uk, uh, audible.co.uk slash going up for a free audiobook, should you fancy it. Cheers for listening. Good luck on Wednesday. Uh, Mate, you're coming it, down, aren't you? To I am coming down. Support. Is there uh, any uh, any particular MP you're looking to take out of a two foot tackle? Um, have a look at the list. I haven't seen the list. There wasn't too many notable well, you, ones. You were, you were saying that you played against them in a similar game I a few weeks ago. I played side against a team of MPs. Okay. Andy Burnham played, who I think is playing on Wednesday, one of the most high profile ones, and he was their best player, actually. They okay. put it on expenses. Expenses? Oh, I don't know. No? Hey, Power League <laughs> bill on the expenses. <laughs> yeah. Topical? Come on! Well, that's not, not exactly topical <laughs> now. Current affairs. Good, I like that. A little bit of politics to end the show. I don't think, um, unfortunately, Boris Johnson is a good Which might be a good thing for me, actually, because <laughs> yeah. he's given his past <laughs> track record on, the, on a football pitch. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, we'll have more from DC's match at the New Den when we speak to you next week. We're back in about seven days' time. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.